This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For companies in the international realm, being able to speak to other members of the firm in other locations of the world can be a very important tool to have. But when there are communication gaps and breakdowns, it means that the message is not being delivered, and that costs the company in a variety of realms, including maybe one of the important ones on the bottom line. And that's one of the main concepts behind the book, The Language of Global Success, How a Common Tongue Transforms Multinational Organizations. The author of the book is Harvard Business School Associate Professor uh, Professor Sidal Neely. She looks at the move by Japanese tech giant Rakuten to have every employee around the world use English as their business language. And it's a pleasure to have Sidal with us today. Thank you for uh, coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So uh, I guess let's start with the the idea of Rakuten uh, deciding to make this shift and have all of their employees globally speak English. So Rakuten was reaching near 90% market share in Japan, in their domestic market. You can think of them as Amazon meets eBay meets Expedia meets any uh, uh, e-commerce activities. And the only way they could grow their public company is by aggressively globalizing their firm. But how do they do that? If no one in the firm can adequately engage with members of other countries, whether within the company or outside the company. So the CEO decided that they needed to bring English, which is, by the way, the business language of the world, into Rakuten in order to accelerate their globalization plans. And that's exactly what they did. And so we're talking about, uh, obviously, Japan, but uh, the U.S., Brazil, a variety of different locations, which I find interesting because it, it, you're talking about all kinds of different people that are that are bringing a variety of different levels of knowledge and, and trying to learn English in, what, a two-year period, basically, correct? That's exactly right. So in this particular scenario, the mandate was that employees had two years to clear an English proficiency test sufficient enough to do business or face demotion. There was such urgency to learn this global communication language in order to execute on their globalization plans. By the way, the idea of English as a common language is not uncommon. Rakuten is one example, but close to 60% of multinational organizations operate in the English language as well. So Rakuten was merely trying to catch up very, very quickly. I I was going to ask you of whether or not in in doing this book and and understanding what Rakuten had done, if whether or not that is kind of the the path for a lot of companies uh, because of the use of English, not only in America, but uh, in parts of Europe uh, and, and other parts of the world as well. That's exactly right. In fact, Uh, If you think about it, English, uh, the business language of the world today, is required for global collaboration and global work because it's the only means by which members who are highly interconnected with the advent of technology today to engage with one another, to engage with suppliers, to engage with uh, customers. And so this has been an ongoing practice uh, for over two decades. The difference today, though, is is 
things move very, very fast. And industries, particularly in the uh, internet uh, um, uh, sector, have to solve their communication problem very fast. And a common language is the way to do it, which, by the way, allows them to also create a common corporate culture by which everyone in the firm operates. So in the absence of a common language, you don't have a cohesive corporate culture that everyone mm -hmm. follows and lives out. Sadal Neely, our guest, she is at Harvard University. Uh, the book is The Language of Global Success. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. If you're not able to get to your phone, you can send us a comment on Twitter, and we'll bring it up on the show that manner either at bizradio111, B-I-Z radio111, or my Twitter account, which is at danloney21. Uh, what has been the benefit for Rakuten since making this, since making this declaration and this switch to have everybody speak English? Yes. Yeah, so in the book, I get the rare privilege of following them for over five consecutive years to look at the benefits. And one benefit is that the members of the organization from all corners of the world are now collaborating with each other in new and important ways. Mm -hmm. Another benefit is the corporate culture being able to move in all parts of the organization. You know, companies always say to us that their corporate culture is one of their most important competitiveness advantage. Right. And if Everyone in the organization can't live it out. It's a great disadvantage, so they've been able to do that. They've been able to access a global talent pool in extraordinary ways. Today, 80% of their new engineers to their Tokyo offices are non-Japanese. They can hire from a talent pool of about 3 million Prior to this, they could only access a talent pool of about 20,000 engineers in Japan. In addition, they're becoming a pretty prominent global brand. They're the new Golden State Warriors uh, jersey patch sponsor. Yep, yep. They're now today the FC Barcelona key sponsor, so it no longer says Qatar Airways. It says Rakuten. They've gone from 200 million users to 1.1 billion users in over five years which is lots of benefits well and it's interesting as you mentioned uh in terms of uh, of a presence here in the united states you, you bring up two great examples two uh well-known sports franchises to be able to get that message out prior to that and I, and I follow soccer or global football so i knew about that partnership but prior to golden state uh being on those jerseys i really hadn't heard of rakuten as an entity here in the united states isn't that interesting? They're one of those companies that people probably are a Rakuten customer or user in the U.S., but they don't know it. Okay. They actually own Ebates. If anyone's ever used Ebates, right. that's a Rakuten company. If anyone's ever used uh, Buy.com, that's a Rakuten company. Uh, if ever, anyone ever used affiliate marketing in New York, that's a Rakuten company. And so part of what they're doing now today is they're consolidating their brands and they're increasingly becoming a better known entity. And by the way, Rakuten is the largest shareholder of Lyft, competitor to hmm. Uber. We're talking so if you have used Lyft, 
You've used a Rakuten product. We're talking with Sadal Neely of uh, Harvard. Uh, the book that she has put together is The Language of Global Success, How a Common Tongue Transforms Multinational Corporations. 844-WHARTON is the number if you would like to join in. 844-942-7866 or on Twitter, at BizRadio111, or my Twitter account, which is at Dan Loney, L-O-N-E-Y 21. So what has been, I mentioned for the company overall, but really when you look at the employees of the company in all of these different locations, I would think that there's probably uh, a more amiable uh, culture around the company, and you're probably also more understanding of different cultures in general as well. That's exactly right. So you, you, your, your question is a very insightful question because the workforce transformed with the language mandate that we started with. For example, there are three groups that emerged pretty forcefully. The Japanese employees living in Japan are now communicating in English and having access to people around the world in new ways. So it's been really an enhancing experience for them, although they had to climb a very very steep learning curve. I mean, they worked harder and longer than ever before to acquire this new linguistic skill. The employees in the U.S., interestingly enough, they had entities in, as I mentioned, New York, but also in California. They have a pretty large presence in Boston. Um, They've had to begin to operate in a much more globally integrated company with a Japanese base Mm -hmm. in new and important ways. It's been a, it's been, even for some of their entities that have been acquired some seven years earlier, it took the English language transformation for them to be fully integrated into the fold of the company. Mm -hmm. Then there were the employees who are neither Japanese or English speakers. I'm talking about employees in places like Brazil and Germany and Thailand and Indonesia. They've had to climb a steep learning curve of the English language and the Japanese corporate culture, but that group, in fact, adapted very, very quickly and has proved to be the most effective global employee by being able to detach from their own languages and cultures and migrate to new ones at the workplace. And you put these these uh, people that work for the, the company and are in kind of these different categories in, in three kind of social groups, correct? That's right. That's right. I call the first group, the Japanese employees, I call them linguistic expats because they go into their offices in Japan on a regular basis but uh, have to detach from their native languages and migrate to a different language. So they're expats in their own country, so to speak. The American employees that I mentioned go into their offices on a regular basis in the U.S. but have to operate in a different cultures. So I call them cultural expats because they're operating like expats culturally in their own countries. And then that third group that I mentioned earlier, I call them a dual dual expats precisely because they have to migrate to different languages and cultures despite the fact that they're li- living in their native uh, uh, countries. It's, it's really every member of the organization in one form or another has to adapt linguistically or culturally and grow and enhance themselves in order to be effective global employees. It, it also goes to the mindset of a, of a company in general. And when, when you think about the changes that Rakuten made, uh, 
they had the mindset and the, and the forethought to understand that in order for our company to be uh, more seamless, uh, to see the growth that we want, we have to understand that communication, not necessarily always between company and customer, but between employee and employee, is such a vital ingredient to success. It's hugely vital. If you are looking to have knowledge sharing across the firm, leveraging all that you have within your company, leveraging the talent that you have, leveraging purchasing power, leveraging marketing insights from around the world. The only way you can do that is if you have employees at all levels engage with one another. How do they do that? if they can't even speak a language that's common to either of them. Right. That's the reason English has become the common uh, business language of the world, but English is not the only one. We've had common languages in commerce uh, for centuries, uh, but it's different in today's marketplace because of the sheer rapidity and um, interconnectedness of the world. But probably when you when you think historically, and just thinking of this off the top of my head, um, when you look at a region like Asia, uh, right. you may be able to have a commonality between China and Japan and Korea in terms uh, of language and, and mindset. It's obviously quite a bit different when you're talking about China with Germany or, or France or even, to a degree, the United States. So, I mean, it, it's it's one thing to have the regional understanding. It's another totally different element to have the global perspective. That's exactly right. And even the regional understanding is something that they have to work really hard towards, uh, particularly because they may have some uh, commonality or some familiarity being in a particular region, but the cultures are so distinct and so different, uh, and languages are so distinct and so different as well. And so there's the regional uh, component that you uh, so astutely capture, but there's also the global perspective and all are reliant on people's ability to have common uh, a, a common language mm -hmm. you cannot do it in the in the absence of that by the way in China today there are over 300 million Chinese nationals that are actively studying and learning English in order to engage with the global marketplace we're talking in fact there yeah go ahead sorry I'm sorry go ahead finish up Sadal. I was just gonna say there are more English speakers in China than there are in the United States of America today. <laughs> so we're talking with Sadal Neely of uh, Harvard. The book that she's put together is The Language of Global Success, How a Common Tongue Transforms Multinational Organizations. I, I guess the, the next question then is playing off of what Rakuten has done. And obviously, as you mentioned, a lot of, uh, uh, of companies understand that this is a key ingredient. What does that mean potentially for the global economy moving forward when you have, wh whether it's English as that, that driving force or it is another language, what do you think that does for the global economy moving forward? I think for the global economy, uh, it gives organizations access to markets uh, in new and important ways. It gives global organizations 
access to innovation in new and important ways. It gives a global organizations uh, a way in which to modify, enhance, adjust their products and services in new and important ways. And the, the global companies have had these practices for a very, very long time. It's not unusual. But what they don't have are the systematic ways of understanding that, number one, Global organizations need to have a language strategy and a culture strategy in order for them to capitalize on the innovation, the collaboration, the learning, and the growth um, that are happening very, very fast. The other thing is many companies that are foreign are acquiring a lot more U.S. companies today. And they're looking to integrate those U.S. companies. It's not just U.S. companies looking out uh, into the international marketplaces, but you also have non-U.S. companies doing a lot of acquisitions. And so how do you integrate uh, those into a cohesive uh, global entity? So there's that piece of it. But there's the second piece of it. For the global economy, it means that individuals, no matter where they live, no matter what they speak, no matter what culture they come from, are now going to have to engage much more with others who are different from them. Right. McKinsey, McKinsey states that they found in uh, their research that by 2030, 3.5 billion people will be participating in the global labor workforce. Hmm. Huh. That's, we need to prepare for that. Well, and, and the other part to it, kind of going back to something we were talking about before, is that not only is that going to have a great impact on, on the global economy, but it's going to have a, a, an impact, a significant one, on the global culture as well. Uh, you know, we probably in America, for the most part, don't necessarily think on an everyday basis about things that are going on in China or Japan or uh, you know, in, in Europe, we may be headed to starting to understand those types of things a little bit better. I think you're exactly right. In fact, some of my latest work is looking at that. The fact that what's happening in one part of the world profoundly affects another part of the world. And and uh, an example of that is there's the global culture piece, but there are also responses and reactions to the zeitgeist, the, the, the political uh, scenarios that we're living out are playing out in, in interesting ways. An example of that is... A company like Coca-Cola, because of whatever's happening in one part of the uh, world, may start seeing boycotts in their other parts of uh, uh, their businesses, yeah. particularly pre precisely because of the interconnectedness and what happens in one part of the world affects another. Well, with the fact that you use that word, the interconnectedness, what has what has the digital element meant to this as well? Because obviously we're connected more so now than ever because of our smartphones, our computers, whatever it might be. Yet in the case of Rakuten, even with all of that connectivity, they still realized that the spoken word was important. Oh, the spoken word is incredibly important because the interconnectedness does not come uh, to fruition or doesn't manifest if people 
are not able to understand each other. So you need to be able to understand one another. You need to be able to engage one another. Uh, and so interconnectedness and the absence of a common language is meaningless. And that's what they've understood. And that's what they've responded to, uh, as have many, many, many global organizations. The difference between Rakuten and many companies is the fact that Rakuten uh, uh, was not only intentional about it, but moved extremely fast to grow their organization because they were doing so well in their home market and had very deep pockets. They could move really, really fast. But other companies need the combination of the interconnectedness mm -hmm. and the capacity of, of to, to engage with the spoken word. You're absolutely right. But I, I guess the bottom line to this is, is then obviously in the case of Rakuten, it has helped them immeasurably on a variety of different levels. If you're a company that is not at least considering this type of uh, you know understanding or move uh, to grow your business, th then you're really you are falling well behind so many other entities around the around the globe right now. You're falling very behind, and it's inevitable and it's crucial. From where I sit, because I engage with many companies around the world who have to contend with the communication gap, I'll tell you, it's a multi-year project. It takes resources. It takes deliberate planning. And if you don't, it takes years to catch up because language acquisition and cultural uh, intelligence or competence is a multi multi-year process and transforming a workforce is a multi-year process. When Rakuten did this in 2010, th this big announcement, this English announcement, yeah. the CEO of Honda at the time publicly criticized the CEO of Rakuten, Hiroshi Mikitani, saying, this is crazy. You're a Japanese company. Why are you even doing this? Right. But, but guess what? Five years later, Honda did the exact same thing. They're yeah. trying to catch up. The difference is that they're five years <laughs> too late. Yeah. Sadal, I have to end it there. Thank you very much for your time. It's a, it's a very interesting book. Thank you very much for giving us a few of your minutes today. Thank you for having me. Thank Great talking you. to you. Thank you. Sadal Neely from Harvard. Uh, the book is The Language of Global Success. It is available in bookstores and online right now. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.